raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And just like that, folks, we are back. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at planetkianc.com. And if you're enjoying the show and want to hear it again or you missed it and want to catch up on the latest, check out the Wesson Walker Podcast on the WFNZ app or Apple Podcasts or wherever. You get your podcast now. NBA draft right around the corner. We've been talking about Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller ad nauseum as far as the number two pick. And in all honesty, those are probably going to be the guys that will be there for the Hornets to choose from. But we on the Weston Walker show like to live in alternate universes from time to time. And so we decided to take a look at just a few other guys who if the Hornets were not going to pick Miller or Henderson, who else is out there that could be a dark horse? Maybe a guy that comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. and the Hornets fall in love with them. This is going to be big time alternate universe stuff. <laughs> because just to be clear, mm-hmm. it is going to be Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, and it will not be anybody else. Yes, yes. Well, but, maybe if they did, like I said, and let these guys play like dogs for it, then maybe some of these guys would maybe emerge. Maybe. I but, did find somebody that I like out of this crew, too. Maybe. Yeah. You said over Brandon or Scoot or both? Uh, maybe both. Oh, okay. Fair maybe. enough. Um, I hope it's not Amen Thompson, because if it's Amen Thompson, then you are in the same boat as me liking an athletic point guard. With no, 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 no. We're going to um, start, though, with him. So, so that's who that's who I think it would be, because Amen Thompson is actually as, as if Scoot Henderson is a freak athlete and one of if not, he's not going to be the best athlete in this draft class because that belongs to Amen. Mm-hmm. So he's like a six seven point guard mm-hmm. who is a phenomenal facilitator, like Lamelo Ball type of vision stuff. Maybe Lamelo's yeah. Lamelo's is better, but his vision is great. Crazy athlete. The difference between Lamelo and Amen is that Lamelo is a great shooter. Yeah. Amen can't shoot, but he will dunk on you. Yeah. And so real physical. It seems it seems like you're about to destroy this. It seems like no, you don't no. like this. I just had notes out there for the people, you know, okay. who may not be familiar with these uh gentlemen. So you you did hit on it. Usually when you go, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, like I'm I'm ready to like have the take just be <laughs> swatted down into some trash. No, real, no. real quickly, this is Ahmed, like 16 points per game, played uh-huh. with overtime elite, six assists per game, six rebounds, two and a half steals, by the way. Long, real tall point guard, like the size. The jump shot is the problem, but does have a lot of tools. People like Amen be, uh, and uh, 
Asar Thompson, who we just heard from Adam Finkelstein yesterday, both mm-hmm. of the Thompson twins, going to be going in the top eight. So I think if we were to do this thing all over again, it would be one of the Thompson twins. I'd probably pick Amen in that alternate universe. All right. So, yeah, Walker gave you uh, the notes on Amen. And then just to give you a couple of more prospects that are kind of in that range right after these guys, you have Cam Whitmore, 6'7", 230. This guy, he reminds me a lot of Miles Bridges. I think they're very similar. He has a better shot than Miles though, shoots 34% from three, 47% from the field, though. But they talk about how one of his greatest strengths is actually strength. And they said he has an NBA body already, and you can see that clearly. I call him the body snatcher because he snatches bodies. I went to work this morning. I was watching some footage. I had the highlight tapes going. He was dunking on folks uh, left and right. He's a great rebounder for his size. Tax the glass, though, but again, the shooting numbers don't jump off the page, but uh, they talk about how difficult some of the shots he takes actually is. And then a guy that I liked a lot. So, like, this is the guy that you were hinting at more than Brandon Miller and more than Scoot Henderson. Yeah, well, the, the only reason I would not go with him is because I feel like he's uh, he's very similar to LaMelo in the way that he plays. Oh. But Anthony Black. From Arkansas. Oh, I wow. like this guy, man. Okay. I like him. I watched the footage. They and he's described as having a perfect build for the modern modern NBA lead guard that can also play off the wing. Ideal prospect for the positionless game that the NBA is training towards. They said he relies more on skill than athleticism. That's the thing I like. Very smooth game. Not tremendous, tremendous athlete, but very smooth. Six seven point guard. Very high skill level. Solid athlete. They describe him as a big frame that can play above the rim. And he's also a solid shooter. And they called his jumper beautiful, although he's not yet a volume three-point shooter. And can do a good job of getting his own offense. But the knock on him is that he can be a bit too unselfish. But when you watch his play, I love the passing. I love the jump shot. Like I said, I, I, I like his game a lot. But to me, he's a, a six, seven point guard. And we kind of already have one of those. But uh, I, I like his game a lot just from watching. And the hair game is tremendous. The hair we know game that is... he would set Charlotte on fire with the hair. <laughs> <laughs> I like Anthony Black a little bit. Um, I mean, I would pick a few guys before him. I would go with both of the Thompson twins before Anthony Black. I would go, I like Jairus Walker a lot. Now, they have a man in front of him in one mock draft, but that's the only one of the brothers. I saw Brent Anthony Black at six in my Jeff well, I, I, that was probably yeah I, i'm trying to remember who that was but i saw that same one cbs sports it, yeah it might have been i know uh maybe wasserman was talking about orlando might liking anthony black but mm-hmm. i would be very surprised if amen was taken after anthony black i, I would be pretty surprised yeah I, I saw amen in front of him but the brother right, was not yeah right like i wouldn't be surprised as much about asar thompson but this is something going back to if you subscribe to anything finkelstein said yesterday mm-hmm. then it was about how the nba narrative within the closed confines of the association they like both thompson twins and a lot of people like asar even more mm-hmm. um anthony black he's more of a defensive guy right now in my opinion and the shot it's a little dicey so you know only 30 percent in college yeah the the form i guess is fine like i i'm cool with the form right now but he's not a great shooter off of the dribble the other thing is the free throw percentage isn't good so if you talk about 60 at least from the free throw line in high school shot 60 percent low 60 percent so is that but he shot 70 at arkansas yeah and 70 is better but not you know 70 is like like solid right so at least yeah, that Im- that improved I, you just when you have these one and done guys, okay, you got to go to some high school tape, 
And if it's low 60s in high school, it gets up to 70, but the three-point shot isn't very good in college. Then I definitely worry about the shot. Catch and shoot opportunity. Don't feel great about off the dribble. But like if we're talking about athleticism, defense, pick and roll, maneuverability, yeah, I, I think at that six, seven, eight range, that's somebody that I'd probably now, take NBA a NBA Draft.net has him going at five to Detroit ahead of the Thompson Twins, both of them, and J.S. Walker, but they have him at five. So, uh, yeah. But, no, I, I mean, I like them a lot. He only takes – and he's a low-volume three-point shooter. I mean, he only takes around three per game, 2.6 to be exact. So, I think that once he gets in the NBA and he can – practice more I mean that's the thing you're going to hope for with a lot of these guys because that's a running theme with a lot of these prospects in this draft is not great shooters you're not going to get a lot of that out of these guys right now I'm with you Anthony Miller I mean except Miller well Brandon Miller now yeah I agree with everything you just said about the shooting improvement of Anthony Black I just wonder why that can't be subscribed to Scoot Henderson as well no, I said if he's working with Curry, he can he can improve. I didn't say there's no chance he can improve. No, I know. Just the shooting in the 6-2 frame is the yeah. thing that you have the biggest problem with with Scoot. Yeah, because Brandon Miller can shoot. He can shoot. No doubt about it. Shoot the rock. Brandon Miller, yeah. <laughs> he he did not have any problems. Maybe the low release, but like the dude is money. It's very quick, so I don't think it'll be, especially in catch-and-shoot opportunities. Brandon's going to let that thing fall. Yeah, and see, that's the thing, too. The more I watched him, because I went back in and watched more footage in the day, and also the fact, too, that tells, tells you, or oh, that's a good indicator of how good a shooter he can be potentially is an 85% free throw shooting percentage like that's pretty good but I when I the more I watched his footage I said he would fit in really well with the Hornets as well I know you you know you don't want to hear this but well I disagree uh, <laughs> just what's playing with LaMelo Ball <laughs> like he's the perfect kind of player to play with Melo catch and shoot guy like that guys like that eat very well playing with LaMelo and those regards I know a couple of years ago when the Hornets were at their full strength Kelly Oubre uh uh, Rogier, a lot of those guys had great catch and shoot numbers playing with Melo and Brandon Miller. When you look at a lot of his highlights, that's what dominates a lot of his catch and shoot three point opportunities that he converted. So I think that'd be a great fit with Lamelo because Lamelo is definitely going to get him a lot of open looks. Well, if if you're talking about catch and shoot though, that's not why you're drafting Brandon all that much. No, the, no, no. The, but I'm the, just the saying sell, that's a plus. Sure, the catch and shoot numbers are going to be good. I expect him to be a good shooter in the NBA. It was good in college. It's all about the ISO stuff which is the reason as to why people are saying he should be the number two pick, right? Mm-hmm. It's all the other stuff because there are plenty of three and D catch and shoot guys that could form a very nice pairing with LaMelo or just be out there on the wing with LaMelo. And you could get those guys in free agency at, I don't know what 10, 15. If you're going high end three and D guy, they're going to get $20 million, something like that. Uh-huh. So it's not the reason you draft Brandon Miller at number two is because you think the ceiling is handling separation. ISO basketball can make plays for others, checks all of the boxes and is a high end, well-rounded player. The other thing is if Brandon Miller has the basketball in his hands, right? I've already made this argument before. Mm -hmm. We're so worried about Scoot having the basketball in his hands. Mm -hmm. If you're drafting Brandon to be a potentially nice ISO player, that also means LaMelo doesn't have it in his hands. LaMelo's catch and shoot numbers are awesome. Is Brandon Miller and LaMelo off ball a better pairing than Scoot with the ball in his hands and LaMelo off ball? Because I would tell you no. I would say that Scoot Henderson with the basketball in his hands, penetrating, kicking out to LaMelo on the fly, that's going to be great. But is Brandon Miller going to be able to create for LaMelo in those off ball scenarios? I think that's clearly a better fit with Scoot and LaMelo on the floor. I read uh, just to 
you know, go in on what you said about Brandon Miller. I, I read a breakdown of him today, and this guy was pretty detailed, and he said he couldn't find any weaknesses in Brandon Miller's game. Yeah, we're like, this is the thing about draft, though. I who is the guy? Do you know? I'll, I'll keep my sources okay. to myself. Wait, <laughs> I'm gonna guess. No, I can look it up for you and tell no, you. But fine. no, he 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 was pretty detailed in his breakdown of him, and he said he didn't really see any weaknesses in his game. Well, I mean that's great. Like, there's gonna be a lot of different run. There's gonna be a lot of write ups. I I could look up some flaw stuff with Scoot Henderson right now because there are flaws. I could look up flawed stuff. There's so many different people out there writing this. I mean, even Finkelstein yesterday, which is hilarious. I just refer to him as last name. Adam Finkelstein. Go check it out on WFNZ.com. You know, he was talking about some of the flaws that Scoot had. And yet once we forced an answer, he was talking about how he'd still take Scoot number two. Because this is a guessing game. This is the thing. Scoot could not pan out 100%. Brandon Miller could not pan out 100%. Because the draft is an imperfect process where this is just kind of a guessing game by nature. I completely disagree with the no weaknesses in Brandon Miller's game, right? Like I just, I think to say that he's the perfect process well, or prospect I, are we saying he'd go number one in every draft other than Wimby? Because that's what a perfect prospect would do, especially at 6'9". Like, that's just not the case. Scoot's not perfect. We know that he's not perfect. So, yeah, it's it's hard for me to really buy into anybody seriously saying that Brandon Miller doesn't have any weaknesses. Well, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I just found it interesting, man. I just try to keep throwing stuff at you just to see where what we can get to. But uh, I think, though, like I said, when you look at some of the other guys and, and uh, Amen, is that how you pronounce it? Is Amen? It's, it's Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a good-looking prospect, too, as well. Do you think that he and – I know Scoop body-wise has him uh, beat for sure as far as having an NBA body, but do you think they have similar games? Um, Brandon Miller and LaMelo? No, or? and Amen. Oh, and Amen. Yeah. As far as just the, they uh, do have, yeah, they're both, yeah. they're both real skinny, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like they both, even LaMelo to this day needs to add much more of a frame, any off season skill they need to work on. Right. When we talk about Melo, it's all about hitting the weight room, being stronger, and then hopefully he can finish at the rim, which by the way, like, look, that's another thing that Brandon Miller isn't great at right now. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at according to synergy, Layup numbers were below average. Dunks in traffic inside the paint, they were about average, being at about 6'9". And so that's something as far as like the pairing with LaMelo. Look, LaMelo can kick out to Brandon. That's going to be an excellent pairing, right? Off of the screen, boom, LaMelo just hits Brandon wide open in the corner, wide open on the wing. That's going to be an excellent offensive possession that I feel great about. But if Brandon is cutting and with his frame and LaMelo, both of those guys not finishing well at the rim... Like, that's kind of a problem. If you have your wing and the guy with the basketball in his hands most of the time with LaMelo and neither one of them finish well at the rim, I mean, we can talk about analytics all day. Analytics still tell you that shots at the rim are the most valuable shot in all of basketball. Yes, even more than the three-point shot. So that's another reason that I have a little bit of a problem with some of the it's a perfect fit conversation with LaMelo and Brandon. All right. Well, when we return, we're going to talk more about this, but also we're going to get back into the Carolina Panthers. Bryce Young talk. When we return, this is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, 
and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is the Weston Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ in Charlotte FC. Major League Soccer is now in season. And the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match. So stop by and get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. Join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse. Coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels and Pepsi. Only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Hit that follow button on the socials, WFNZ on Instagram, WFNZ on Twitter. Hit up the Wesson Walker Twitter page and also hit up Walker Mail on Twitter, HTB underscore Josh on Twitter, Instagram, and the new West Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter. RIP range. And Instagram. Yeah, man. So... We do have a text coming in. What we got? From Kitman Eric. Okay. He said in all caps, Ron Sanchez stepped down. Woo! Let's go. Just in case you wanted to know how 49ers fans are feeling about it. Yeah, that. I mean, I think it's always, it's, it's bittersweet, I guess, when you fire a coach or let a coach go. Well, I guess that's the same thing. But you're kind of excited for what's to come, and it's up to the school or your organization that you cheer for to make it right because when you cheer for a team that's not doing what it's supposed to do mm-hmm. and the coach is fired, do you get like a little bit excited? Like as a 49er fan, are you yeah. excited right now? I think it was, yeah, I don't know if, if I'm ever excited because I did like Ron. Ron was a good guy. And so when you're, I, it's not like I was crazy close to the situation, but I don't know if I would describe it. I'm happy that he stepped down and is going to Virginia. It's probably time to move on. Like that's where I arrive. And I would like to see somebody come in and build this program with some potential that I know the Charlotte program has. Like it, it does have some type of potential that could be tapped into. And I just don't want to start. I don't want to continue to lose talent the way they have. Mm-hmm. But as we kind of go along with the feelings that are being had by 49ers fans, you know, I had one I had one buddy. He went to Charlotte as well. He texted in. He's like, he's not really sure how he ever felt about Sanchez. Just kind of average. Didn't dislike him, <laughs> but never loved him either. Well, you don't need to be in the middle, man. Uh, you got to feel one way or the other. I know. Not not a radio host, this guy. He's a teacher. So it's yeah. going to be more nuanced. But, yeah, it's at best you might have felt like that. Like you didn't – if you were a 49er fan, it's not like you felt Sanchez was 100% going to turn this thing around this year, right? I don't, I don't think you felt that way. So, yeah, I was ready to move on. All right. So staying in the basketball realm quickly to finish up our – draft conversation and talking about uh, Scoot Henderson, if he is indeed the the number two pick. Do you think that, or how patient do you think Hornets fans would be with his shooting? And also an interesting question is guys who play his style, if that jump shot doesn't come to fruition, do you feel like that that will put a timeline on his effectiveness each year? Because we see the guards who make their living in the paint. We see the John Morantz, even though he's much bigger than Jaws as far as a, a physique standpoint, but they spend a lot of time 
on the injured list because those hits take a toll when you're hitting the ground and have to get up off the ground constantly because you're driving to the hole so much, taking those bumps and things of that nature. Do you feel like that that – I feel like I I know what the answer is going to be, but – uh, no, I'm gonna stop doing you question. like that. I'm not every gonna do you like that. But no, do you question. think that that will put a, a, a timeline of uh, the of, of his effectiveness each year and on his career as a whole? Well, if you want to go with John Moran as an example, like or Derrick Rose. Well, yeah, just with the shot not coming around. I, I'm just using Jaw here because that's what I have sure. in front of me. Okay. So if you look at John Moran's stats, three point percentage his rookie year and going forward, thirty three and a half percent, thirty point three, thirty four point four. 30.7. So it has not reached a level above 34%. Can hit some, but clearly not a phenomenal shooter. You probably want to keep him out of the paint because once he gets downhill, really hard to stop him. Still a really effective basketball player. Jaw is taller than Scoot Henderson, but the frame isn't anywhere near what it is. So John ja Morant, only 6'3", so not much taller than Scoot, but 174 pounds. Scoot is 200, 196 if you want to be exact. The dude is crazy built. I was trying to think about this on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Like, is there anybody as jacked as Scoot Henderson in the league right now in the backcourt? Desmond Bain is somebody that was brought to me if we want to stick with the Grizzlies. Desmond Bain is jacked, man. Like, no doubt about it. So Desmond in the backcourt, like 6'5", something like that. So Desmond is a good name to bring in. Like, Jamal Murray's big, but he's also taller you know, than Scoot is. So, uh-huh. like, but, and I wouldn't even say he's yoked like Scoot is. I don't know if there's anybody else built as solidly as, as Derek Rose was solidly built, but yeah. not even like Scoot. That, I don't know about that. Oh, dude. D Rose no and way. Scoot was, have very similar bodies. Derek Rose was definitely well built coming out of Memphis. Oh, okay. Yeah. But not like Scoot. I mean, the, the weight is not going to be the same. Uh, anyways, like, but the fact that they that you look at Ja, he's, he's 200 played two hundred and forty eight out of a possible three hundred twenty eight games, and we know Ja's always up in the league leaders, if not leading the league in points in the paint. And so, is that something that worries you about him as far as his availability taking taking the beating of driving to the basket often? Not, not really. I mean, I, I guess with the explosiveness, we have seen some bad things happen to smaller explosive guards. He does have a little bit of an injury history, nothing crazy. There have been some minor ankle injuries that he suffered in the G League, but it wasn't anything crazy like an ACL. It wasn't anything like LaMelo experienced this year. So, yeah, if look and really quick, Derrick Rose was 6'3", 196 coming out of uh, Memphis. Okay, I still think that Scoot looks stronger than Derrick does, at least in my opinion. But that's your opinion and that's mine. (laughs) But with Scoot, I don't think I'm. I, I like, look, the pick and roll ball handling to me is really effective. I would love for him to shoot 36%. Like mm-hmm. that would be fantastic. I still think you can be an effective basketball player like a John Morant. If the three point shot doesn't come around. So I still think even without the shot, and that's why I think people have kind of labeled him as raw because he's not shooting very well. And so if that's the case, I still think there are ways to help the basketball team. But yeah, like clearly I would love for him to be able to shoot at 36% or something close to average. And if he doesn't, then maybe you just have to write it off as this is always going to be a problem with him. Maybe that's the case if you might be there with John Morant right now. Okay. I mean, because that's always something interesting. As I said, the guards that like to drive to the basket, that is something uh, that you have to deal with. You, It makes you really uh, wonder 
and, and praise AI. Not that he always played 82 games, but how he was able to take the beatings that he did playing uh, that style of basketball. So going to another small guy playing in the Carolinas, Bryce Young. He's been doing really well out there in OTAs. And so an interesting story uh, came out. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported that Carolina didn't give Bryce Young a playbook uh, before the draft. They didn't tell him he was going to go number one before it happened. So Bryce Young being the student that he is, he went back and looked at video of Frank Reich's old offenses and tendencies to get a feel of what he was going to be asked to do. This is something, in my opinion, that is very much uh, out of the ordinary. You won't find a lot of kids with this kind of initiative. And so that begged the question for me, is he the most fail-proof prospect the Panthers have ever picked? I mean, that's strong. Um, Yeah, I think Bryce, I feel as safe about Bryce Young as I did with any of the other quarterbacks in this draft. If we're going in the past, if you go to some first-round picks like I mean, man, they've always been fantastic. I felt very good about Brian Burns succeeding in that first round. Mm -hmm. I felt very good about, I mean, you can even go to Jordan Gross, first round pick, offensive tackle, fantastic left side guy for quite some time. That seems a little strong because I've always talked about how the size, it is a legitimate concern. I just am looking past it because of all the other great stuff that he brings. And I feel like it's going to work out and he can be one of the better quarterbacks in all the NFL. Like to say he's fail proof, the most fail proof prospect that the Panthers have ever selected. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go that far, but it's stuff like this report that makes you feel great about it. And exactly why I would have used the number one overall selection. So those players that you say you felt were more, I guess you more can't miss than Bryce. Because I, if I look at it, I would say... Well, quarterback's a little different, but if, yeah. If I had to think about guys who I felt maybe... Because I just look at all the things that are matching up since he's been in OTAs, and I know it's just OTAs, but then just stuff like this, you read how kid just decides to go back and say, okay, well, I don't have a playbook. Let me go look at his old offenses. Like that, That's a lot of initiative, uh, in my opinion. It's something he didn't have to do. And I just think when you put that in with, with the cognitive testing and everything you hear about that... The only guys I could really think about that I felt like were as fail-proof as he is, and I mean, yeah, let's not get it twisted. If Bryce Young does not play well, I'm going to look really, really bad. But it's okay. You know what I'm saying? So I you believe in him. I'm, hey, look, I'm <laughs> going to be there with you. I like, mean, Luke Keekley I thought, was pretty fail-proof because yeah. I felt like his tackle Jay numbers. Wrote that in. Yeah, his tackle numbers at Boston College spoke to me as, this is not a guy playing at Alabama with – four or five star D tackles in front of him to keep him clean. And he could just go make plays, even though Boston college did have BJ Raji and they had another guy that was pretty good in the middle too. But still at Boston college, getting 180, 190 tackles on the regular. I knew I was like, there's no way this guy's going to come into the NFL and not be a great player. Well, and people are writing in the most popular answer is Julius peppers, which is the answer. There's nobody more fail proof than Julius. That guy had the size. He had the strength. He had the production. In what world did you expect Julius Peppers to not? You come worried in and about maybe the motor? Well, that was only at the end. No, I was saying, Panthers. but even coming out of Carolina, like you thought maybe like a guy that's that, you know, athletically it, gifted could maybe get bored at times or something. That sounds like, like that. a really big stretch, though. Like if there wasn't anything motor-wise coming out of school, and you were just worried about motor suddenly setting in for him, then maybe. But 
I don't know if that's any more safe than Bryce Young being the smallest QB yeah. we've ever seen. Peppers is a he's a great one too. I, I don't know who's and more I than felt Peppers. pretty good about Christian McCaffrey too. Well, that's the thing about running backs. Yeah. Look, we talk about the whole running back thing, right? The value whether you should use a first round pick. If you want to use a first round pick on a running back, then it's really hard to miss on him, right? Like if you look at Saquon Barkley, you look at Carolina Panthers history. D'Angelo Williams, first-round pick. Jonathan Stewart, first-round pick. Christian McCaffrey, hits all across the board. D'Angelo had a all-pro type season. He led the league in touchdowns the one year. Very good running back for this team. Jonathan Stewart, long career. Very good running back for this team. Christian McCaffrey was an all-pro, 1,000-1,000. So even if you don't have the same kind of value, if you just want to talk about they're not going to fail, I felt good about all the running backs, basically, and and really McCaffrey, too, because McCaffrey was so good at Stanford. Yeah, and I guess it depends on which degree you feel like that, that they will hit. But I would uh, I would agree with you on, on those respects on the running backs. I did think D'Angelo Williams was going to be pretty good. Jonathan Stewart, I, I, I don't know. I guess I was just in the middle with him. It didn't really strike me one way or the other how he was going to be. But as far as the guys that I felt like, okay, they got one with this pick, I would definitely go – uh, Bryce Young, which remains to be seen, but as far as guys they picked in the past, my number one choice would be Keekley, Peppers, McCaffrey. Those would be the three guys. All right. I heard the Kyle Bailey show talking about this too. Was there a guy that you thought was fail proof that indeed that was not the case? Oh God, yes. Yeah. So oh, for the for the Panthers though, is there oh. a Panthers player? Because Fitty, your answer is Jimmy Clausen, one hundred percent of the I way. I thought Jimmy Clausen. I'm going to join Fitty in that bandwagon. I thought that he was going to be good as well. Is him? I was a big Dwayne Jarrett when he came yes, out. People, people talked about him too. Um, God, oh, there was one. Jarrett would be my choice. There was one pretty recent I that I was all in on, and he hasn't he hasn't worked out. <laughs> you just can't remember it, yeah? Yeah, I, there's so. <laughs> I don't. So I'm looking back. I don't know if I was like a huge fan of the Jimmy Clausen one, but boy, I was happy as hell when Dwayne Jarrett was taken, (laughs) which is hilarious for all of us in in retrospect, because there's a reason he fell all the way down to what was it? 45. So if he fell that far down, yeah, number 45 in 2007, and we just felt like he was this can't miss prospect, then why did every team pass on him? You know, like I, but it didn't matter. He was awesome at USC. And I is awesome is okay there. I feel like he was really good. At this USC. is where we need to get the awesome scale going. But he was. You can't deny. There's a reason you believed in him. He was really, really good at USC. Where do you, what is the semantics of awesome for you? Like you talking about Dwayne Jarrett, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was off the chain. He was a beast. Yeah. He was a beast he was at USC. Lit at USC, man. Yeah, I mean, that's... He I thought was. Bianca Batuka was going to be fair. Bro. <laughs> you, you've, done, you've done that a lot. Uh, like, said something, and then somebody would text in the same thing as you I say most of, And I did not think that. I was mad they picked him. I wanted Eddie oh, George. Okay. You wanted who? Eddie George Eddie instead? George. Hell yeah. You got that one right. He yeah. said, hell yeah. yeah Eddie, George was, <laughs> Eddie George was my man. All right, Fiddy, let's get that uh, next flash of the day. <laughs> Keep your shirt on. Fiddy. You know, Walker, Yep. I, I thought when we had our first real big radio fight, tennis talk would come a lot more naturally to you and I on the show. Hasn't really happened. Well, Novak Djokovic, he did advance today to the semis at the French Open. And if Carlos Alcarez wins his match, they'll be in the semifinal. Alcarez, the number one player in the world, 
Djokovic, I believe he, he's the he, he's the three seed in the French Open. But this is the guy that everyone in the tennis world is pointing to and saying he's the guy that can finally stop and dethrone Djokovic, Nadal. Of course, Nadal not in the French Open this year. He withdrew, but uh, it would be a star-studded semifinal if, if he does get by uh, his matchup here in about 45 minutes or so. Would you say as far as flashy tennis performances can go, Alcarez and his run to win the U.S. Open was as flashy and fun a tournament as I've seen in quite some time. Clearly, you have the era of the top three tennis players of all time playing at the same time. But Alcarez almost hitting like trick shots behind the back, almost as if LaMelo with the type of greatness that a legend already has was playing in the U.S. Open. Alcarez is so much fun. I love tennis. Tennis is fun. Wes, you going to get in on it? Uh, no, I'm going to okay. let you guys uh, you're wearing a tennis take hat, that back though. and forth. You don't forth. got no tennis takes? What makes it a tennis hat? Because of the way it's shaped? I never heard of it. I don't know. I have the same exact hat, I could though. say that, though. I'm glad. Swag Daddy has the same hat that I do. <laughs> All right. Well, when we return, we're going to take a visit to the mound on the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's always the worst when you try to sing lyrics and then you get something wrong and then you look like more of an idiot. And that's just what happened with Bucktown. Because <laughs> I love some of the opening lines here with some of these verses. And yeah. I completely messed it up. And usually I get it's it right. It's all good. It happens. I mess up songs that I've listened to hundreds of times. It's just still mess up the lyrics. It's always embarrassing when it happens, though. At yeah. least a little bit. Especially if you're in front of a lot of people and then you try to be cool. and then Right, the right. <laughs> it looks bad, man. How about the people that will try to sing the lyrics they don't know the words to, mm -hmm. but they know like every other word they might know the Yeah, they be like, yeah. Yeah. and then I come through. Yeah, LeBron like James had a tweet like that one time yeah. where he put that out there and he wasn't saying anything and he felt like it was okay to still put on social media and he got clowned. And honestly, LeBron, deservedly so. Like, I don't know why you'd put that video up. If you don't know the words and you're just mumbling and then you turn up the volume and all we can hear is you mumbling over the actual words on right. the song, <laughs> don't do that. But people do that a lot. 704-570-9610. Feel free to share your thoughts and comments as always on the text line. You can even clown Fiddy if you want to. You can give him some kind of support. You can tell him he's doing a great job with this upcoming segment, which is a staple now on Tuesdays. Time now for a visit to the mound. Come on. We'll take you on right here, right now. Come on. Hurry up, Batter. It's going to be a short game, and i got to get home for lunch. If my dog was as ugly as you, I'd shave his butt and tell him to walk backwards. Is that your sister out there in left field? Naked? She's 
start this visit to the mound with a little bit of sad news, but it gives us a chance to reflect on a baseball giant from the state of North Carolina, Durham native and NC State uh, uh, alumnus Roger Craig. He passed away yesterday. Craig was a four-time World Series champion, and and Colin told me this when I walked in the into the into the studio today. He threw the last ever pitch for the Brooklyn Dodgers. And the first ever pitch for the expansion Mets. Um, I did mention he, he was a four-time World Series champion. This guy was at one point a Everett Case basketball commit for going on wow. to pursue <laughs> a life and career in baseball. And it turned out pretty well. Right here out of Durham, um, a lot of baseball teams yesterday were, were, were sending their condolences and stuff. But uh, the game of baseball lost a giant right here from our own backyard. Yeah, some accolades to note with him. He was 13th in the MVP poll in 1959. How about that? Going way back at the age of 29. And what I look at when I look at his baseball reference page, which, as I've said a, a few times, it's like my favorite thing to do. Go to awesome reference pages. Have you gone to mine? No. If you look at his reference page, he had a career ERA of 383. I mean, pretty good, I would say, right? Like 383, it's not phenomenal, but you know, pretty good, probably above average. And this guy still led the league in losses. In 1962 and 63, you talk about zero run support for someone. Like, that was tough for Roger Craig to come by some run support. But the losses were not indicative of how good he was as a pitcher. So, really interesting baseball reference page to go back and look as a local guy here. I believe from Gastonia's mentioned born in Durham as well. Yeah. So, Roger Craig, RIP. RIP, baby. Big, big time, big time career. 1955 to 1966 playing um, with some historic franchises. All right. We've heard this in one of our CBS sports. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. We just want to provide an update on Luis Arias as his quest to bat 400. The last time we talked about this, when I first brought up, I think he was batting 391. He has since raised his average to 399. Now, y'all both told me this morning <laughs> in the fishbowl, you're dismissive. You don't think it's going to happen. But we also heard in, in, in that CBS Sports Minute, he could become the first player since 1900 to win two batting titles back-to-back -back years in two different leagues. So even if he doesn't bat 400 and become the first guy since Ted Williams to do so, he's still chasing history and uh, doing it on a Marlins team, which is a nice surprise. They're 32-28. and 28. They're in second place in the NL East. It's been a lot of fun to keep up with them watch. Yeah, man, I agree with that as well. I think that that's still a great accomplishment, whether he gets it or not. But, I mean, 399, the thing is, it's just so many games to maintain. How many do they have? Left? I mean, they got about 436 okay. left before, you know, the season's <laughs> over. So how could he maintain that? <laughs> um, you want a nice transition? I got one for you. You know where he finished in the MVP voting last year, 2022? Third. 13th, just oh. like Roger Craig oh, did. Oh. In 1959. How about that connection? An all-star last year with Minnesota at the age of 25. This guy right now, after leading the league in batting average last season, he's leading the league in batting average, total hits, on-base percentage at 450, which is just stupid. OPS plus is 161. Look, man, I don't want to be a hater. I just, 
I can't imagine that this can happen. I can't bank on this if no one has done it since Ted Williams. And people, I don't know how many people have gotten this far batting anywhere close in the 390s. Tony Gwynn is the guy you can go to mm. in the 90s. But since we talked about Chipper Jones, I think we've had a few guys like get close within the first month and a half or two in the baseball season. But Wes is right. We do have 342 games left to go in the regular <laughs> season. So if he can keep that up, then I'll be down to talk about it at the end of the year. Hold on. Go ahead. What you got? Oh, I was just going to say, Fitty, you're not going to uh, give Aaron Judge any credit. I, I Here I come sliding in with the baseball knowledge. You see what I did there, sliding in. And uh, Aaron Judge, how they're saying he's having a very similar, similar year to what he had last season and could end up having the same amount of home runs or maybe more. Like, what do we think about that? It's amazing the benefit of playing in a Little League baseball park like <laughs> Yankee Stadium does for a guy's Cast career. We see hate. the bias. We see the bias. That's why we hadn't heard about it. No, he, he's definitely – he's as much as I hate the Yankees, I love watching him play because it's almost like watching a god, whether he's in the outfield, he's a great outfielder, of course, when he's at the plate. He, he's become must-watch television. Yeah, there's a lot of bold on that page as well. Right you see him leading the league in home runs at 19. Is it okay to call him uh, the best power he's hitter? the AL because my guy, right. Pete Alonzo, <laughs> leads Major League Baseball in dingers with 21. So so Alonzo is the best power hitter in the game right now? If you go to when Alonzo got called up in his rookie year, more home runs, more RBIs than Aaron Judge. All right. I figured I'd let you shine. The average, though, in that OPS is, is far under Judge. Mm. Mm. Yeah, okay. that's true. Sorry. Sorry, I, Fitty. I try to work <laughs> in a fun topic whenever we go. We take our visit to the mound. Mm-hmm. Bo Bichette, a guy that is a star for the Toronto Blue Jays. He By the leads... way, that sounds like a Star Wars bounty hunter. Bo Bichette. <laughs> right, that's ahead. what I thought he was saying at first. I was thinking about Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> he leads all of Major League Baseball with 87 hits. And if you're not familiar with them, guys, look him up. He has got luscious locks. He's got the type of hair that a guy like me who was 26 and balding dreams about. Who are some other guys, whether present day or guys that you watched growing up in Major League Baseball, that had just great hair that that made you envy them? Okay, I'm going to give you three. Wes doesn't like it when I go more than one, but I don't care. I'm (laughs) going to go three. I'm going to go with a couple mullets. John Cruck. Randy Johnson had some great hair. And then I'm going to go something clean for you. How about taking two blow dryers, one side of the head, Bryce Harper, that's a fantastic oh, head of hair. See, that's why I don't like for you to go more than one, because you end up taking something that I'm going to say. You're, it is rude. I'm not going to lie. Bryce Harper's my favorite player in the game, so, you know. That's is that right? Why, yeah, man. I've been a big Bam fan since he was coming out of high school. So, the style, I mean, come on. He wears gold cleats. You know, that's my kind of guy. Yeah, the, the style is 100% yeah. there. Um, I didn't like DeGrom's hair. For Me some neither. reason, it just doesn't work. Was it? And I like some of the hair going to the shoulder guys, but DeGrom just didn't look right. It worked better for Noah Syndergaard. I mean, no no, no totally Johnny agree. Damon got mentioned here. No Jason Worth. I didn't like Damon. I was going to say Jason Worth. I haven't given my three yet. I'll throw oh. Jason Worth in there. Okay. Then I'll go uh, football player, a.k.a. turned into a baseball player. Jeff Zamarja has some good long hair. Plus, I gave him credit because he's name. a nice wide receiver. At, Great uh, name. Notre Dame. And then Eric Hosmer. I love the uh, – I don't know if he still has this dude, but the picture that I'm looking at here. Has a pretty dope uh, mohawk with the part in the side. I don't remember his hair. What is it still looking crazy? <sighs> oh wow, yeah, that I thing like is that. okay. That's, that that's, thing is done up. He's got the line, and then he's got kind of the mullet. 
with pretty it dope. being faded in on the side. That's a there trigger go. word for this Met fan. Eric Hosmer? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> owned the Mets in the 2015 World Series. Oh, Speaking yeah. of the Mets, them and the Braves, they start an important three-game series tonight down in Atlanta. Atlanta has a five-and-a-half game lead over the Mets, who are just 30 and 30 on the year. But been monitoring it, the Braves... Still just 15 and 14 at home. The Mets have Verlander and Scherzer on the mound this series. A great chance to get to a three. Yeah, how surprised are you about the gap between these two teams, given some of the Mets' struggles when you were all saying that they weren't going to make the postseason? Mm -hmm. Like, how are we on the Mets' roller coaster right now? I mean, the record isn't great. The deficit is still manageable. The the biggest, the, the more interesting, surprising thing is who's in second place, and that's the Miami Marlins. They fired Don Mattingly. They bring in Skip Schumacher, and so far they're 32 and 28, I believe. It might have changed after last night. They're still right there. They they haven't gone away. So I think that's the biggest surprise is that Miami, for two months, looks to be the real deal. Biddy, I gotta ask you, man, what's up with the? I know the Rays. Their record is still sterling, but they're third in the betting odds according to FanDuel Sportsbook to win the World Series. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think that they should be the favorite at this point? Because they still have the Dodgers and the Braves ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if they'd be my pick to come out of the AL. I got to watch Texas a lot over the weekend. That offense can score runs in bunches. DeGrom just got pushed to the 60-day IL, so they don't even have their $180 million pitcher. But, I mean, they're small market, and they've never done it. I mean, I think you're giving benefit to the doubt to the Dodgers and the Braves, teams that have gone to the World Series and won World Series. But, you know, they're going to be right there as much as any team in October to win the whole thing. But that'll that'll do it for our visit to the mound. We still want to hear some of the best hair in baseball all time. We got some great inclusions. We can read some of those texts on the other side of the break and also talk about some good news for the Clemson football program. Yeah, and he's got great hair too. Who does? This guy that we're going to talk about. All right. Stay tuned, baby. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.